0: If you haven't been coming on Sunday mornings for Bible class, you have been missing a very, very good discussion of the book of Genesis. Uh, uh, Scott Slauson, who is a teacher of that class, has been doing a marvelous job. And um, whenever Scott's up there teaching, I always think back to the very first time that Scott came to visit with us many, many years ago. Um, He was a little shy then. I don't think he was even shaving at the time. Um, he wasn't one that, he, that if you had asked him to teach a class on that particular Sunday it might not be something he quite want to do uh, but my, my times have changed uh, he may not have been able to shave then but he has a full beard now um, and he, can, he teaches a wonderful Bible class and he's an elder in our congregation now and um, we appreciate Scott and his family appreciate so very much the work uh, that he does here That all being said, I want to bring up the fact that today we're going to be talking about something from the book of Genesis. Uh, Scott was teaching the class. It made me think about uh, some things, obviously, because um, I don't only want to just listen to what's being said. I like to to dwell and think on the things that are being discussed. And I thought it would be useful today if we spend some time going back to Genesis chapter 3 and re-looking at verses 1 through 6. And I invite you, if you will, to go ahead and open your Bibles to that text because I will be uh, referring to the text many times. Uh, we won't have the text up on the screen like we do sometimes. I want you to open your Bibles, if you will, and look right at the text so you can follow, uh, follow along with me this morning. Uh, one thing we need to appreciate before we even get into a discussion of the text is the fact that, folks, Satan is real. Satan is very, very real. He is as real as God, and he is as real as Jesus Christ. Uh, We sometimes talk about how that we need to have faith in God, and how that we need to have faith in Jesus Christ, but folks, let me tell you this morning, uh, we also need to have faith in Satan. I don't mean in the fact that we need to have faith that we're putting our confidence in Him, but we need to have faith in the fact that even though we cannot see Him, even though He's not something tangible that we can touch, He is very real. He is alive and He is active, and He is trying to do what He can to make you fall. 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8 reminds us that we need to be sober. We need to be vigilant, because our adversary, the devil, walketh about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Satan is alive and active. And as we're going to discover in this lesson today, uh, Satan is also someone who will lie to you. Jesus was having a discussion in John chapter 8 and verse 44 uh, with some Pharisees and he was, of course, discrediting them for the things that they were saying, but he brings out a very important point about Satan. In John 8, he says that Satan is a liar, and not only is he a liar, he is the father of lies. In other words, what he is saying, saying there is that with Satan, that's where all the lying began. And today, as we look at our lesson, we see this, lying beginning, and this lying being uh, perpetrated through Eve, and that lying continues on today with us. On October the 12th, 1998, there was an article in the paper about six men who were killed in Texas, and it's an interesting story because these men were killed because they were sleeping on a railroad track. About 3.45 in the morning... A Union Pacific Rail Line came through and they saw the bodies on the track with the lights but they couldn't slow down this train that was going so fast and they ended up killing all six men that were sleeping on the tracks. And an investigation took place. Why in the world would these men be sleeping on the tracks? Well, they discovered that these men were trying to uh, move into the country, if you will. They were immigrants, and they were traveling on foot, and they were trying to find what they thought was a safe place to sleep. And someone had told them that if you sleep between the rails of a train uh, track, that the snakes would not bother you. That for some reason, snakes would not go over the rail lines, and therefore that was a safe place to sleep. And evidently, they were scared of snakes, and therefore... That's where they decided to put down their head for that night. But they were wrong. Somebody had lied to them. In fact, Union Pacific Railroad made the statement that oftentimes they run over snakes all the time on a train track because of the warmth of the rails and because of the metal of, the, of absorbing the heat of the sun, that oftentimes at night, that's one of the places where snakes end up. And... Engineers have talked about how many times that they see uh, snakes have been cut in half because they were on uh, the train track. And I think it illustrates the point that we think as we go through life that somehow or another we can put up some rails and as long as we stay in the middle of those rails then we don't have to ever worry about that liar, that snake, that serpent that is called the devil and somehow or another he can't get to us. But folks, that's the way that Satan works when we think that he can't get to us, that's when he can get to us. The passage that Jeremy read for us the second time, from 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 3, Paul makes that very point. He's telling us in that passage that we need to be careful lest Satan trick us or lie to us and we end end up in the same situation that Eve ended up in. So this morning I want us to be thinking about this particular idea of the fact that we're going to look at what Satan does, we're going to think about what Eve did, and then I want us to think about ourselves and think about our own situation and how that this can apply to us and we need to be very, very careful. First of all this morning I want you to think about Satan I want you to think about uh, what Satan will do. These are some truths that begin in Genesis chapter 3, but they have continued and they will continue until the Lord returns. Some things that I know for a fact that Satan will do, and we need to be very careful. The very first thing I want you to think about is how that Satan will question God's word. Look at chapter 3, and beginning at verse 1, and notice what the text says. It says, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. Now sometimes when we look at this verse, we uh, miss the impact of what's being said here. The King James has it in such a way that maybe you almost think he's making a positive statement. But what he's doing here, he's raising a question mark. Uh, He's raising a suggestion, if you will. Eve, I want you to think about this for a moment. Did God really say what you thought he said? Did God really say to you that you should not eat of every tree of the garden? I want you to rethink this for a few moments. Rethink this, and and I want you to think about: Did he really mean what he says? And if he did mean what he says, does it really apply to you? You see, that's one of the ways that God, or one of the ways that Satan works with God's word. He takes God's word and he tries to get you to think in your mind: Does he really mean what he's trying to tell you? Did you really understand what he was saying there? And if he is saying what he's saying there, did it really apply to you? And you notice also in the text that he's attacking the goodness of God. It's a subtle attack, and that's the way Satan works. But he's subtly attacking God, and he's saying, Now, are you sure about this, that God said that you couldn't eat any of this stuff? He's trying to start putting something in Eve's mind that Satan oftentimes oftentimes puts in our minds. And that is, is God depriving you of something? Is God depriving you of something? You need to rethink this, Eve. You need to really think carefully about, did God really mean what he says when he said, you can't eat of every tree in the garden? But he doesn't stop there. It's not a big leap, if you will, after questioning God's word to actually have Satan denying God's word. You see, if Satan can get you to believe one lie, uh, then he can get you to believe another lie. And so he starts building up his case, if you will. He doesn't just stop with the idea of questioning God's word. Now he wants us to actually deny what God's word says. Notice what verse 4 says. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. Guess what, Eve? What God said, it's not the case. It's not true. He told you something that actually wasn't the case. If you do this, you won't die. Now think about this for a moment, because this is where this hits home just a little bit. Everything that Eve had to go on concerning death and what it means to die came from God's word. She was the first woman here on the face of the earth. She, in this point in time, as far as we can ascertain, had never seen anything die, so she knew nothing about death. She knew nothing about what it even meant for something to die. She had no clue what the word meant to die, but yet at the same time, she had God's word. All she knew about what Satan was talking about was going to come from God's Word. Oftentimes when we uh, live this life and understand and appreciate there are some things that we don't understand, we also appreciate the fact that all our knowledge of it comes from God's Word and we need to simply trust God's Word in it. I've done a lot of study on it and I think I've got a pretty good handle on it, but still I don't fully grasp the idea of how the blood of one man, Jesus Christ, can save me from my sins, in spite of the fact of who I am, in spite of the fact that it seems unfair, in spite of the fact that it seems like I'm getting away with something, that just doesn't really make sense to me. But all I can do is go on God's word about it. Why in the world Jesus Christ and his apostles gave us the command to be baptized for the remission of our sins? Why in the world did he tell us to go and be immersed in water And why that is significant in order for a person to be safe, I may not understand all of it. But also, all I have to go on is God's word, and that should be enough. We need to understand and appreciate the fact that when God says something, we need to understand that it is truth. But yet, what does Satan do? What does he do with God's word? He tries to tell us to deny it, that it's not really the case. You see, when we deny God's word, uh, it leads to death. When we accept God's word, it leads to life. Uh, We have a a song that we sometimes sing, uh, beautiful words, wonderful words, wonderful words of life. The word of God is words of life. But Satan wants us to question it and make it into something else. He wants us to, to question God's word, and then he wants us to deny God's word. He says in verse 4, he contradicts God directly. He says, if you do this, you will not surely die. Once again, Satan is lying. But he doesn't stop there. Like I said, Satan, he likes to build upon things. If he can get you to do think about the first thing, then he can get you to think about the second thing. And if he can get you to think about the second thing, then he can get you to think about the third thing, He will substitute his own words, or his own word, which is a lie. Look at verse five. He says, "For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes will be open, and ye shall be as God's knowing good and evil. Now we read that and we find some truth in what he says. And that's the way lies work. There are some truth there. Eve would know the difference between good and evil if she ate of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. It just makes sense. It goes along with the title of the tree. If you eat this, you're going to know this. But don't miss what Satan is emphasizing here. He's emphasizing the fact that if you do this, you'll be like God. You'll be like him. You'll be able to set yourself up. And since you know the difference between good and evil, you'll be on the same level as God. Now think about that for a moment. All Satan is doing here is saying, if you believe this particular lie, if you believe this substitution like I'm trying to tell you that it would be the case, then what are you you actually going to turn into? Are you going to be like God? Or are you going to be like Satan? It's interesting as you go through the Bible and you study uh, the life of Satan, and there's not a whole lot in the Bible about it, but we do know that in such passages as Jude chapter 6, where Jude tells us that the reason why Satan was being punished was because he left his first estate. In other words, he wasn't happy with the position that God had given him, and instead he wanted to be something more. He wanted to be something else than what God decided. Another passage over in 2 Timothy chap- or 1 Timothy chapter, 3 and verse 6 talks about the fact that one of the things that caused Satan to fall was his pride. There's an instruction there to make sure if we're going to be leaders in the church, we don't fall under the same condemnation as Satan. And his problem was pride. You see, Satan wasn't satisfied with where he was. His pride caused him to rebel against God. And that's exactly what he's wanting Eve to think about here. He's saying, if you will do this, even though God's word doesn't say this in this particular way, He says, you'll be just like Him. You'll be on equal plane with Him. You will be your own God. Now folks, when you think about it, you think about the fact that um, whenever we do sin, whenever we do fall prey to Satan's temptation, at least for that point in time, maybe it might just be a minute point in time, but in that point in time, we are basically saying, I don't care what God says. At this point in time, I'm on equal plane with Him. And I'm going to do what I want to do because I am my own God right now. And Satan says, you go right ahead and do that because that's exactly what I want you to do. I want you to believe that you are your own God. You can decide what is best for you, you can decide that you can turn away from God because you have decided. You have put yourself on equal plane with God. In fact, it's interesting, behind every sin is the idea of selfishness. And I don't know if this is meant to be this way or not when you think about the English language, but if you take the first letter of every syllable of the word selfishness, it forms the the word sin. Selfishness but because behind every sin is the idea this is what I want to do I don't care what God says I have fallen for the lies of Satan he will question God's word he will deny God's word he will substitute his own word well think about this for a moment think of now now what did, how did Eve respond to these attacks how did Eve conjure up in her mind how she needed to handle these particular things As Satan started adding these three things, these three building blocks, how did she respond? And you notice with Eve, and as oftentimes it is with ourselves, we will notice that we too have a progression. As Satan whispers in our ear more, we also progress more until it finally comes to the outcome that Satan wants. But notice what Eve did. First of all, she subtracts from God's word. Look at verse 2. And the woman said unto their serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden. Now you first look at that and you say, Well, I don't think she said anything there that subtracted from God's word. That's exactly what God said. He said that they could eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden. But if you look real close at what she says, and you look real close at what God says, notice that she takes something out of it. Look over at chapter 2 and verse 16. Look at what Eve says and look at what God says. And the Lord God commanded of the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat. Freely eat. Now You may say, well, Jim, you're making a big deal about this, but no, make sure you understand what's happening here. Why did Eve leave the freely out? God, in his command, is making a very generous offer to Eve. He's saying, I am giving you all this. You don't need anything else. You don't need to eat of that tree of knowledge of good and evil because of every single thing there is in the world as far as the trees are concerned. And I'm using some hyperbole here. You can have that. I have freely given you all this. But notice what Eve does after she's had this first suggestion put in her mind by Satan. Well, you know, he did say we could eat of the fruit of the tree of the garden. In other words, what is she starting to do that he's already put in her mind? She's starting to think in her mind that God is depriving her of something. The emphasis went away from freely have everything to, yeah, he's given us some stuff to eat. The implication, and I don't think we're implying too much by reading between the lines, but it's the beginning of the idea that something is not exactly the way that Eve wants it to be. She feels like she's being left out. That something that God has denied her, she now wants. She subtracted from God's word. But notice what else she does. Notice now how, because of Satan's influence, she starts to add to God's word. In verse 3, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, it shall, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. Now, Once again, you've got to look very carefully and compare some text there. And we're not saying that God didn't say this, but if he did, we have no record of it. And God usually is very specific in his commands when he said what he said. But notice what she has done here. She has added to God's word. Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall we touch it, lest we die. God, prior in the discussion, in verse 17 says, But of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. God didn't say anything about not touching it. Now, once again, I don't know if he cared if she touched it or not. It seemed like to me the temptation would be stronger if you had the ability to pick it up and touch it. But notice what Eve is doing again. She is saying, well, you know, we can't eat of it. That's what God said. But you know what? I can't even touch it. God's depriving me again. God is putting a burden on me that's too hard for me to bear. And if it's too hard for me to bear, then I need to change God's word somehow or another. John reminds us in 1 John chapter 5 and verse 3 that his commands are not grievous. And what Eve has done here through the influence of Satan is saying this is a very grievous command and therefore I need to change it somehow or another. Now we look at Eve and we fall to Eve sometimes and say, well, you know, that was kind of silly of her, but we do it all the time. For example, we are told very clearly in God's Word, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament, that we're not supposed to lie. But be honest, there are times when in our past or maybe even in your present here that you have decided, yeah, I know the Bible says not to lie, but in this case we need to make an exception to the rule because of the situation and who it might hurt or might not hurt or might hurt myself. Therefore, on this particular occasion, this rule doesn't apply to me. That's too heavy of a burden for me to bear not to ever lie. Or maybe it's something simple like the uh, command to give as we've been prospered. Uh, and by the way, last Sunday, uh, the fact that the church gave what it get, did for its spe- for our special contribution is was amazing. Uh, for a church this size to give as much as it gives, it's just it's just overwhelming. It's almost mind st- uh, staggering. But my point in this is this: that oftentimes we pick and choose between uh, what commands we think are as appropriate for us and apply to us, and maybe. In certain situations, we think, well, this is the exception to the rule. And the reason why we do that is the same reason that Eve did what she did here. We think that God has put something on us that's too hard to bear. First, she came up with the idea from Satan that God was depriving her of something. Now she's come up with the idea, well, you know, he's given us a command that I just can't deal with. He told us we couldn't eat of it, but I can't even touch it. God has come up with some rules that just doesn't make sense to me. And and, and what is the point of me obeying that rule? But notice what she does next. She changes God's word to fit her situation. Look at verse 3 once again. But of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, Ye shall not eat of it, Neither shall ye touch it. Now pay close attention to this. Lest ye die. Do you see where she changed God's word? Go back and look at verse 17 again. How does God put it? But of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof... Thou shalt surely die. Do you see the difference there? It's even more than a subtle difference. Eve has with it the idea and the wordplay here, well, it's a possibility that you may die. Whereas God says, the day you eat of it, you can take this to the bank. This is something without a doubt that's going to happen. You are going to have this happen to you if you do this. Here's the cause and here's the effect. Eve takes it wrong and he, she changes God's word to go like this. Well, here's the cause, but the effect may be something else. Now, we understand and appreciate the fact that what was being talked about here was the idea of spiritual death. But Eve now has changed God's word in her mind to think, what? Well, this may not actually apply to me. That maybe I won't die if I do this. That maybe I can take a chance right here. That maybe, you know, yeah, so and so over there, he may die, but it might not happen to me. As we go through life and we look at through God's word and we look at um, everything. Thing that goes around in God's Word. Sometimes there are things in God's Word that we don't appreciate and we want to change it to fit our particular preconceived notion of how things ought to be. I know there are some in this congregation who have had some discussions with some religious neighbors of ours because they've come to their door and knocked on the door and want to have a Bible study. And this particular religious group. has their own translation of the Bible because they have in their theology that there's no way in the world that Jesus Christ could be on equal plane with God. There's no way that he could actually be God. So in their translation of God's word, in John chapter 1 and verse 1 where it says, In the beginning was God, and the word was God, and the word was with God, they changed that idea of the word was God to the word was a God. You see, they changed God's word because they wanted it to fit with their mindset of what they wanted it to be. And other religious groups may not do it by changing their translation of the Bible, but they will change the meaning of something to fit their own theology. Even though the Bible may say that uh, you have to do more than just simply believe in order to become a Christian, uh, they will discount what the Bible says in order to fit their own theology. But folks, the application today is not on some religious group or other religious groups. The emphasis is on us today. We need to be very careful that we do not get into the same situation that Eve got into and in that she wanted to change God's word to fit her particular particular motive. God said very clearly, if you eat of this fruit of this tree of knowledge of good and evil, you will die. You will surely die. Notice how Eve puts it? Lest you die. In other words, leaving the door of opportunity open that maybe God doesn't mean what he says. Maybe there really isn't a place called hell. Maybe there really isn't a judgment day. Maybe there isn't really a place called heaven. But if there is a place called heaven, maybe everybody gets to go to it. Now, notice what's happened here. Satan calls Eve to question God's word. Satan calls Eve to deny God's word. Satan calls Eve to substitute his own word. And look what she did. She subtracted from God's word. She added to God's word. And then the final outcome is God or Eve changed God's word. Now this morning I want you to think about the fact that on in our lives, there are really two sides. There are God's Word and there's Satan's Word. There is God's truth and there's Satan's lies. And every choice that we make, including beginning here with Eve in the Garden of Eden, every single choice that we make in this life is based on that particular promise. Are we going to believe what God says, that is truth, or we are going to believe what Satan says? That is a lie. It's interesting. I mentioned John chapter 8 a few moments ago. And in that particular chapter, Jesus makes two statements that really sums up everything that I've tried to talk about this morning. In John chapter 8 and verse 32, what does he say? He says, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. And then in verse 44, a few moments later, In John chapter 8, he says that Satan is a liar and he is the father of lies. And that really sums up the world that we live in when it comes to being pleasing to God and making decisions in this life. Are we going to follow the word of God, which is truth, which leads to freedom? Or are we going to become a part of Satan and his lies, who's been a liar from the very beginning? John chapter 14 and verse 6, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. In other words, you need to understand that the way to get to heaven, the way to be saved, the way to have life, if you will, is all based upon God's truth. And so if you're here this morning and you want to do the thing that is pertaining to God's truth, we invite you, if you will, to become a Christian. We're not going to tell you anything that's based on a particular theology. We're not going to tell you anything that's based on some kind of personal preference. If you do not know what you need to do in order to be saved, we'll sit down with you and look at God's truth and tell you what the Bible says. Or it may be that there's some here this morning that have been uh, fallen prey to Satan, fallen prey to his lies. Maybe uh, something Satan has told you. Maybe he has lied to you about things and got you to question God's word maybe he's gotten you to deny God's word or substitute his uh, Satan's word and that's caused you to subtract and to add and to change God's word so you can have your own selfish desire accomplished whatever your need may be this morning we're here to help you in any way that we can we just simply hope that you'll come as God leads us in the invitation song won't you stand